Welcome to the Adventure Deficit Podcast. We're here to promote lifelong learning through the context of adventure. Through our one-on-one interviews, we capture in-depth stories across a variety of subjects, emphasizing a new life lesson in every episode. We're on a mission to entertain, educate, and inspire you to embrace new challenges, reflect, push through fears, and get out there in search of your own adventures. We passionately pursue good story, and we'll run, climb, wade, ride, hunt, ski, or paddle our way into new ones, all in search of continual growth. We call it taking our medicine, and we invite you to join us for today's dose. Today we've got Sydney Smith joining us on the show. Uh, I found Sid... uh, believe it or not, by way of Instagram. Um, His Instagram handle is try no feet. And uh, a couple years back, Sid, I think you were with Cameron Haynes uh, doing a either a shoot or a 5k or something special. It was a it was a mountain ops sponsored event. 5k might be a little light for a a mountain ops sponsored event. So maybe it was a, a marathon. But at any rate, uh, I picked up on Sid's story just uh, through a series of photos, and that was enough to captivate me. Um, I'll let him get into his story a bit, but uh, that's that's all I know. So I'm really looking forward to spending some time getting to hear your story, uh, listening to a little bit of your background, and uh, and just kind of figuring out what makes Sid tick. Um, and then Sid's going to share an adventure story with us, uh, and hopefully one that uh, leads to a life lesson or two. So uh, without, uh, without getting into too much of the meat, I'm going to let, uh, Sid introduce himself and, uh, we can go ahead and get started. Sid, thanks so much for joining the Adventure Deficit show today. Hey, thank you. Glad to be here. Yeah. So, um, what I like to do with my guests is have them just kind of break down some of their background. So, uh, what are the, what are the broad details about, uh, your early story? Um, what got you up to kind of the point where you are? Uh, yeah, definitely. I I don't know where to start. I mean, maybe something a little bit about me and and where it develops. But uh, uh, for me, um, yeah, my name is Sydney Smith. I'm a Utah born and raised kid. Uh, I uh, love the outdoors. I love to go hunting. I love to go fishing. I love spending time with my family, horseback riding, um, mountains, camping, all that good stuff uh, that the uh, Utah Adventures has to provide. Uh, being born in Utah, um, you know, that some of the things I did I was in high school, I swam on the high school team um, and a little bit in college. Uh, currently, right now, I have four kids, uh, and uh, they are a young four kids, so our house can be pretty chaotic. Anywhere from one to ten years old, and uh, I guess something that's unique about me that stands out is that I'm a, a double amputee, and missing my limbs below the knee, and uh, I lost it uh, due to a disease called charcoal marie tooth, uh, which is a uh, muscular dystrophy, and it's progressive. And so, with my type being very a very rare type. Uh, it uh, caused my feet to be in a situation where I couldn't walk. And uh, so amputation and prosthetics became uh, the best option. So uh, I guess that's how people know me as the guy with no legs. I, 
I wish people could say that the guy with the beautiful jawline or or maybe a, a something you know, <laughs> more amazing, but that's my claim to fame or how people know who I am is uh, the dude, dude missing his legs. Um, but other than that, um, anyway, we can go into more details later, but uh, I, I just have had a second chance at life now and and uh, with prosthetics and I'm able to do things that I never thought were possible. So. That's awesome. So, dude, um, yeah, that's that's exactly what I picked up on, and I knew there was obviously more to your story. But, um, yeah, that does set you apart from a lot of other triathletes. I, I saw um, something unique in that, and uh, I swore to myself that there's a lot of resolve behind that guy uh, who's, who's attempting to do things that um, folks with both of their legs uh, would consider to be large feats greater than themselves and you're doing it literally without uh feet and i think that's uh, pretty amazing man so um so you grew you grew up in utah uh tell us a little bit about utah what was that upbringing like uh i loved it i mean i still love it because i still live in utah uh just because it's you know the opportunity to be out in the mountains or out in the desert and so quickly um you know, Utah's, you can't go to Utah without hearing the name or the phrase Mormon. So that was, that's a big thing in, in my life is that's the church that I go to and um, um, Church of Jesus Christ, the Latter-day Saints. So we, we, you know, we're big family oriented, Christian family. Those are kind of the values that we are uh, passionate about. Uh, with that, you know, spend as much time with our family as that to me is my most important thing and that's how I was raised uh, so we did spend a lot of time you know that quality time investing with with family and, and uh, the importance behind that right on so I don't know much about Mormonism I don't know um, I, I mean I'm more of a, a conservative Christian uh, evangelical Christian background I uh, grew up in the Christian Reformed Church uh, in that tradition I don't know if you're familiar with that but um, I think there's plenty of room for us to have dialogue, uh, probably on the outside of this this conversation. Uh, and I I always really truly appreciate um, running into people who have um, you know a unique as- aspect to what it is that uh, that they hold uh, in in their religious values as well. So um, I did notice that you had a family and that you had four kids, and uh, that's something that I I treasure as well. So my family is. Uh, is a little smaller. I have uh, a wife and two kids, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, Halfway there, buddy. Halfway yeah, there. yeah, man. Yeah. So, you grew up in? Is it? Would, would you consider it to be rural Utah, or were you more like Salt Lake City uh, metropolitan area? What? What? No, what was that landscape like? That now is rural Utah. Okay. Uh, Vernal. It's an oil town, um, just right on the border of Colorado. Uh, but where I grew up is Provo. Um, which to somebody that doesn't know ins and outs of Utah, it's pretty much a part of Salt Lake. It, it nowadays it's grown so much that it is just you know about 55, 45 minutes. They just kind of call it Salt Lake ish. Salt Lake ish. We call it the Wasatch Front because it follows a mountain range where there's a bunch of towns right right along the, the, the mountain range. Right on. And so uh, yeah, it, it, it. I mean, it was a big city. I, you know, I had probably 500 kids that graduated from my high school. Nice. 
So I grew up uh, here in Grand Rapids, Michigan, but my wife and I lived in uh, Colorado for a short bit. And when we would get a chance to peel off, uh, we being the guys uh, that would fly fish with me, um, we'd head out to the Green River. Uh, and I think that was Flaming Gorge. Does that yep. sound right? St. George. Yeah, that's, that's just in my back backyard. I mean, that, when I was in the hotel industry, uh, we'd get people from all over the world come and do what you just did. So. Yeah, that was a cool float. We always really liked that. That was something we looked forward to. Okay, so hunting, fishing. Um, did you do any? Did you have any uh, taste of triathlon outside? You, you mentioned swimming, right? You swam. Yeah, I swam competitively uh, when I had uh, meat legs. I don't know what to call them, legs. Did you <laughs> so say had... meat legs? Yeah, I guess. Is that what you call those? All right. <laughs> That's what I call them. I mean, sure. Because I have legs and I have, you know, so I just define the difference prosthetic legs and meat legs. I gotcha. Uh, can I call them yeah. meat legs? You can call them meat legs, <laughs> or, and you can call my legs robot legs, whatever you'd like. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Okay. Yeah, I, I did. I did that. Um, I didn't really, and I hunted and fished before, and that's you know that's how it all started. It was just a family tradition to to do that. Um, but as far as triathlons, it was always something that I was inspired by. But it was you know it's like climbing Everest to a lot of people. Like oh that would be amazing, but uh, realistically is that possible or feasible for, for me? So I've always looked at triathlons. It's you know I can't run, um, and I you know biking is not easy when you don't have functional feet or or, or things prepared below your knee. Um, and so I never thought it was a possibility until actually I lost my legs. And um, what inspired me to do it initially was I was in the hospital. And uh, just right after I had lost both of them, um, and on TV while I was in recovery or rehabilitation, um, was the championship being aired on NBC. And when I watched it, I just was completely moved. And I thought, oh my gosh, you know, I, I knew what a triathlon was, but I didn't know what Ironman was. And it's it's the mecca of triathlons. For those that don't know, it's a 2.4 mile swim followed by a 112 mile bike ride, and then a 26.2 mile run. And it, it just sounds crazy, but yet so many people were doing it and just hearing the stories on the TV show of the feats that people have overcame was just it, it brought chills and it brought me to tears. I thought, you know, how awesome would that be? And then one of these success stories, or it was a B-roll, I couldn't remember very well because I still on pain pills, I guess. Um, I uh, saw someone running uh, with a prosthetic, and I'm like, ooh, you know, is that, maybe it's something I could do. And after doing some, some research, I've, it's possible uh, that a person missing two limbs can do a full 140-mile, 26 race. And that's when... I just felt compelled, um, whether it be inspiration or just, I, I, to this day, I don't know exactly the drive because it's just right where that seed was planted to where I'm at today of that. If I want to, you know, have the ability to walk one, I'm going to take advantage of the second opportunity in life and, and, uh, you know, maybe inspire others to do the same, but more so 
uh, I'm going to do this Ironman. So, you know, you know, to just long story short, and we can go into that if you like, is that that's where I am right now. Is I have signed up for the Ironman this year, November second is my race, and uh, I've had you know lots of you know steps and ups and downs from that point, but uh, that's that's my goal, and I feel pretty confident that that's where I'm, I'm going to finish this, finish that finish the race this year. Wow, man. Well, we're, uh, yeah, we're new friends, but, uh, our community is right there behind you, egging you on, man. Uh, November 2nd will be, yeah, we're in your corner. I think that's a pretty amazing, uh, goal to have. So have you, um, what have you endured training wise? What's, uh, what's a, a regular day look like for you? First, let me back up by saying, do you, what do you, what's your day job look like? Yes. Yeah, so I, my day job, uh, I'm fairly new at it. I switched careers from the hotel industry, which I have my degree in, and I did that for 18 years. And now I work for a local internet and telephone, tel- telecommunication company um, here from the rural part of Utah, eastern Utah. And uh, it, it's pretty close to a nine to five job, eight to eight to five job. Um, and uh, it, it allows me to train in the morning and where with the Ironman, there's a lot more training required. Uh, right now, I'm anywhere from 11 to 12 hours, and then I'll um, up it up to 15, and then eventually I'll hit 20 hours a week. And then, um, but this job's pretty flexible as far as um, being able to, tr- you know, train a little bit before, and then sometimes I'm able to train afterwards. And then my Saturdays are usually pretty packed with with uh, long workouts. That's where. Um, those come into play. That's where you get the meat of your, your workouts in. Yeah, that's where you kill yourself, and then Sunday you're just a dead recovery, pretty much. You're dead and trying to recover. Limping your way into the church? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So 10 hours per week, and you're going to graduate up to 20 hours per week. 20 hours per week. I, I mean, I have a hard time believing that that looks like just a, a tough Saturday and then an hour here and an hour there. That's pretty dedicated. You're looking at, you're looking at some time chunks. What's, uh, what's your game plan there? Uh, I mean, definitely with, with this sport, especially when you go to the long distance um, and, and really anything that you're passionate about, uh, you have to realize that there is uh, an importance of managing your time. You know, it, this is something that I've talked to my wife about. And we agreed that this is a, you know, going to, there's going to be sacrifices. There's certain things of my hobbies, such as hunting, that have been doled down a little bit so I can make room and time to do this. Um, since most of my uh, basic training, I should say, anywhere from, two to two and a half hours in the morning I get that done getting up about 4 4 15 and then on Saturdays I try to get that done early in the morning so I have an opportunity to spend time with the kids or getting either extra work done um, because sometimes that can be anywhere from three to ten hours dude you're a dedicated fella that's uh, (laughs) yeah that's impressive Um, so inspiration came from NBC, you saw, you saw folks doing triathlon on television, and then you picked up on a, an amputee. 
and uh, it lit a spark. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty amazing. I mean that the double the double amputee. There's not very many from um, what I've been told from pro- my professional prosthetists and other people that about five people have done it with, that are doubles. Uh, there's been others that have attempted it. So I think there's like seven or eight. So there's not very many that do it with prosthetics. There are others that will do it in a wheelchair, which I, I thought of that as well. Uh, but okay. I, I wanted to do it with prosthetics because that's kind of where I was inspired initially. Now this might be, uh, I am not of this, uh, I am not of this camp, but I remember hearing, um, I think it was back in the early 2000s, probably there was a, there was an Olympic runner who was running on blades and he ended up having some legal trouble. I think, honestly, I think the guy's a murderer or at least a convicted. Honestly, I I don't remember all the details of the story. I'm kind of pulling this one up from the archives, but what I do remember specifically about him racing was that there were some folks who were saying, Hey, that's, that's not apples to apples. Have you had any of that? Have you had to deal with any of that kind of stuff, or has it been all all positive? Oh yeah, you're 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 referring to Oscar Pistorius. Yes. Um, yeah, it, yes. Yes. Is, yeah, out of South Africa, and yeah, it is an unfortunate situation there. Um, but as far as uh, um, positivity, no, I mean, nobody assumes that I'm a murderer. Uh, <laughs> that goes uh, without as, saying as far as like racing goes occasionally i'll get some people that are like oh my gosh you know that's unfair you just kind of float around or bounce around like a kangaroo that's what i'm getting uh, at but uh what people don't understand the mechanics behind it first of all oscar was an amazing athlete and had he had legs or meat legs we should say uh, he he would have done better uh, it's it's the the carbon fiber itself, uh, and there's are different designs, and some designs they don't allow. Um, but the the kind that I use, I'm not getting a hundred percent back. I'm losing um, energy um, from what my leg makers or the engineer behind it um, with a double amputee. I for every mile that you are running, I'm almost at. T- twice that much as far as the energy that i'm losing is that right so i don't i don't i mean my heart rate races really high when i'm running and so it's not an advantage at all the only thing that these um running prosthetics so the ones that are giant carbon fiber they look like a big c uh the they just give me the ability um there's it works in two ways yes the energy that i put in i get some of it back so it allows me to continue on to the next stride but it also works as suspension because, you know, your stumps are, you know, your body's not designed to walk on your shin bones. And so uh, it takes some of that impact down, mm. um, which you also essentially can lose a little energy that way, too. But I, in no way, though, I, I get, you know, imagine I get it a few times, but most people are like just blown away that that somebody that has no legs is to do what I do. And then, you know, they turn around and say wow what am i complaining about (laughs) so yeah and that's positive and the latter is honestly where i would align myself i'm more or less i'm just speaking toward the uh the ever-present uh cynic there's always (laughs) a cynic 
there are advantages like uh, you know I, I don't have to get pedicures anymore <laughs> uh, I uh, I could be as tall as I want so essentially I can dunk the ball uh, oh man I never thought of that uh, you get to choose your height you get to choose my height that's true uh, one of the advantages too uh, when I uh, one of my passions is uh, ice fishing and I know you guys have it there and uh, everybody complains oh my feet are cold well I'm wearing tennis shoes and I don't I don't worry about that wow so, I've never thought of that and that's always the yeah. first thing that's always the first thing to pull you off the ice too is your coals your toes or your hands just can't handle it anymore exactly yep wow cool all right so um just kind of uh just kind of fascinated by the fact that you grew up with meat legs and at one point uh you had to you had to exper- you had to experience a full-on transition 180 degree difference in the way that you live can you speak toward that a little bit and maybe some of the process i, I got to believe that um there's a lot of emotional toll going through uh going through a process like that can you walk us through that at all no pun intended uh, oh yeah <laughs> i didn't catch that thank you <laughs> uh, yeah definitely so um and, and and as i'm explaining this just to understand that this is a process that i'm still learning hmm. things that i'm learning about myself i mean i i'm fairly new at the amputee stage i'm going on a little over three years um and so there's still so much that i am learning about myself um, about the mind, uh, about why we're given trials, um, you know, even even things of why God does things to us that um, that uh, we need to learn from. So I'm still, in a way, learning that experience. But prior to when I lost my legs, a lot of my mentality was not uh, extremely positive. I, I mean, I, I consider myself a happy person. I had a great childhood. My I had parents that loved me. I had food at the table. I married a beautiful woman. Um, and so I had a lot of good things still going for me. But physically, I'm, I'm an adventurous person. And when I didn't have the ability to do that, I, I don't think I, I, I consider myself very weak as I look at myself then. Um, when things got tough, I would become depressed. Um, and I was afraid of... Um, where my life was going because the disease was a progressive disease. Uh, what would it take to, uh, when amputation finally became the solution, uh, I mean, in a small town, I did not know any other amputee. Uh, I did not know what life would be like, the cost, uh, how long will I be in the hospital? Will I walk again? Will I get to do the things that I wanted to do or the things I was even doing then? Um, spend time with my kids. Am I going to need a new job? Um, is my wife going to find me attractive? All all those things kind of took a hold of me, um, you know, and it, it sunk me into a dark place, a depression, uh, suicidal thoughts. All those things, uh, I, I became very weak. Now, as I went through the process, the you know of, of becoming an amputee. Um, uh, and making a core, I, I mean, coming off a rock bottom scenario, making core decisions in my life where I wanted to take it goals, um, remembering constantly the things that are important, what, what matters, such as my family, my job, 
um, and the you know ultimately just there's 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 more to life than than what you think at that moment you never know what doors will open mm -hmm. um, kind of started that drive and as I began to walk and got prosthetics um, you know I had some pretty down moments even when I started at the beginning I had some setbacks I had some infections where I had to go back to the hospital and, and have another uh, amputation to go higher uh, that that set me back emotionally um, and uh, fear honestly became a controlling factor um, made it, it it was where my you know decisions were based on my fears um, but uh, as I as I pulled out of that dark spot um, started walking, starting to learn to ride a bike, retaught myself how to swim, started doing activities. I started to realize that the disability that I was putting myself in wasn't that I was wearing prosthetics. It wasn't that I was missing legs. It was the, uh, the fear. It was the weakness that my mental, men, mental side would, had put myself into. Um, and so that, that's kind of where I was then. And then as where I am now, I'm, I'm now, it's become more clear to me that, you know, we're very capable of doing things that we don't think we can. And really the biggest obstacle more than physical in most cases, not everybody has this ability, ability to do everything, but in most cases on the men, it's our mental side. I mean, it's, if you think about it, there's nobody out there or no one, nothing out there that knows you better than your own mind. And so it will it will use that advantage or that, that you know almost like a tactical advantage to against you. It knows your insecurities. It knows what you're afraid of. And uh, that's that's where we as I think people as we get older and we have trials, we learn that you know as we overcome our trials that that's where we need to uh, make a choice. We can either let those fears take over and ruin our lives turn into alcohol addictions or whatever inappropriate releases or we take take it the right road find a way around it um you know try to find positive in it grow from that experience share that experience with others so they don't make the same mistake yeah wow man there's some really really honest stuff in there thanks for being you know a bit vulnerable with some of those emotions i think there's uh yeah, I think there's there's that piece to meeting you on on the positive side, right? But then there's also like I'm trying to empathetically put myself in your situation and go, okay, well, what? How do I face a life change like that? I I can't really get there in my mind, but I gotta imagine I'd be in some pretty dark places as well. So just to know that you're on this, you know, on the the up and up, and that you've come up so far as to say, hey, I'm gonna. I'm going to tackle an Ironman, 140 plus miles of grueling athletic, um, you know, challenge. That's there's something to be said about that. So yeah, I think we needed to spend a little bit of time of at least paying homage to the fact that this has not been um, an easy road from uh, from just the, the disability perspective. It's uh, it's certainly a challenge in its own right, just to to be positive, but. Uh, I applaud you for going the extra step to, uh, gosh, I can't stop with the, uh, with the walking or running or stepping analogies. I'm sorry, bro. But, but I applaud your, I applaud your resolve. I mean, there's something, there's something, 
that's deserving of an award just for for coming out on the opposite side of that surgery and saying, "Hey, I'm going to be a good I'm going to be a good dad to my kids. I'm going to be good to my wife. I'm going to choose to be a positive influence." Um, that right there deserves a medal. But the fact that uh, you're going you're going extra, you're going the extra distance. That's why that's why I followed you on Instagram. That's why I'm calling you. I think there's something cool there, man. I already got that medal. I mean, I, I appreciate that. I that medal is 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 that choice has paid off. Um, it's not always been easy. Like um, just here this earlier this month, I had another infection very similar to what caused another amputation, which would push this whole thing back years, maybe. Oh, is that um, right? Uh, yeah, uh, and, and then and so I, I'm in recovery stage right now, um, but the race is the race is still on. Uh, just with, with the way my coach has, uh, has, has it lined out for me. But, uh, uh, I mean, the, the reward, uh, of making the choice, it, it's paid off. Like I, I'm happier now that I am missing my limbs than I was before. That is as far as I can remember, actually. Uh, and if I, you know, some genie came along and said, Hey, Sid, you know, here's, three wishes you know would you like one of your wishes to not go through the pain and the, and the struggles and the depression and the suicidal thoughts and would you give that up you know just wipe it clean and have a fresh set of legs um i would turn it down and i i it took me a while to actually say that but i would turn it down frankly because i think these experiences made me who i am and appreciate life more than I would had I not gone through those hard times. So I, I'm grateful for them. Do I like them? Eh, not really. But I do like some of the things that I've learned from it. And it's opened doors and opportunities to um, that I never thought were possible. Relationships. Hell, I'm on a podcast. <laughs> so that's they're, they're saying for me to, to, to give all that up, I, 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 I wouldn't. Wow. Wow, man. Cool. Well, thank you for some of the backstory. Um, let's propel. Uh, let's propel forward. Let's go into uh, your adventure. So, um, the second part of adventure deficit is is yeah, it's an adventure story, and uh, I've asked Sid to f- to find one and uh, to single single in on one and narrow down kind of some of the the details and uh, walk through that with us so Sid have you thought about uh, an adventure that you'd like to share with us oh man every day is an adventure what day do you want <laughs> how about a Tuesday <laughs> uh, Tuesday was rather boring I just went to work and then mowed my grass so uh, that wasn't much an adventure but... yeah you got to give me something juicier then <laughs> <laughs> well one one that stands out where I uh, I, um, I learned a lot um, you know, if you hear just from the sound of my voice, you can tell that I'm not one that, that is a quitter. Um, you know, I don't, when I set something this passionate, you know, you know, to, to the point where sometimes I'll, I'll fantasize about this race and it'll, it'll honestly bring tears to my eyes. Or when I see people, you know, recaps of it on YouTube or something like that, it, it's, I'm that passionate about it. Just so even talking about it to you gives me goosebumps. Um, but 
uh, I, I just, I, I'm not a quitter. I don't see me quitting in this race. However, um, to get to this point, I've had to do other races, uh, you know, as I'm building up. I started off with a 5K, just run, and then a 10K, and then a half marathon. And then when I went into the triathlon series, I started with a sprint distance, which is about a uh, uh, half-mile swim, a 12-mile bike ride, and a three-mile run. And then I worked myself into Olympic distance, which is twice that. And then after that is a half Ironman. Now, uh, obviously, I'm making the goals to, to, to accomplish these races so that way I can work myself into the Ironman. So, let's see, it would have been 2016. I've been an amputee for a little over a year now. And uh, my training buddy had talked me into signing up for the Ironman St. George, which is, or excuse me, the Ironman St. George 70.3, which is half the distance of an Ironman. Uh, so it's a 1.2-mile swim, 56-mile bike, and a half marathon, 13.1-mile run. And I, I, honestly, I was nervous because I physically was still trying to get used to running, and the, my stumps were really really calloused over and um but i you know i wanted to complete this goal and i feel like this was a necessary step so i signed up for it we trained the best we can for what i had and uh, when i got to the race um i i struggled it was really difficult it was really hot um i was a little overweight at then and 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 the course is very hilly so it was very uh very difficult for me um, I got to the swim because that, you know, usually an easier part and I gave it all on my bike and that spent all my energy. By the time I got to the run, you know, I was, I was cramping up uh, big time and, uh, I just, I didn't want to quit. You know, the thought process came to my head. Um, and, uh, I just, I sat down on the, the road, trying not to, to cry or get emotional thinking, you know, you know, I, I still, I'm one mile into this run and I still have so much left. I don't know how I'm going to make it. So I just started walking and I noticed another poor soul, I should say, that was going through the same struggle. And, uh, him and I started talking, got to know each other. His name's Robert. He's from California. He was also struggling physically. He got kicked in the groin during his swim. Um, and then he had a really rough bike ride and he was cramping up and he also wanted to quit. Um, and as we're talking, we just kind of almost disgusted that that was something we were thinking about. We both looked at each other and, you know, just in deep, passionate thought, you know, he said, Sid, this is the only way I'm going to finish this if I have a purpose. And I said, you know what? I need, I need the same thing. I need a purpose. He says, what, let's make it our purpose to finish this race and uh, finish it together. And uh, we, we, kept, we just kept going. Mile after mile, we just chatting. Just, I mean, he's in my ear. I'm in his ear. I mean, he's, he's a runner by nature, so he was pushing me quite a bit harder. And, uh, you know, I'd cramp up. I'd sit down. I couldn't move. And then he'd get, you know, get in the tents. Come on, Sid, let's go, let's go. You don't, don't quit, don't quit. And, uh, I mean, again, I thinking, wow, I can't believe my mind is going this direction. Um, but I, we just kept going and pretty soon it got to nine mile nine and 10. And I knew at that point 
I only have three miles left. I got it. And uh, we finished the race. We embraced in tears at the very end at the finish line, hugged it out. Um, and it just, it was just an amazing experience. Very emotional, passionate thing about that race is that you, you know, you find someone that you're, that can support you and work together. Um, but uh, I've used that, you know, that story and, and apply it to other things, which is purpose. You know, what we, you know, we, we all have a belief that we can get things done. But I think a key element people forget about is, is the purpose. What is your purpose? What, what is the reason why you're doing things? Um, and uh, for me, I have, you know, my purpose in completing this Ironman. And that's, that's really is something that I fall back on. Do I believe I can do it? Yeah. Do I, you know, do I have the grit and the energy to do it? Sure. But it's the purpose that keeps me thinking that, that this is going to happen. It's not a matter of if it's a matter of when. Wow. That's, uh, Robert was such a gift. Oh yeah. It's, it's, I, I mean, I don't, I mean, I do believe in God, obviously, and, and I have I've always struggled faith-wise of, like, divine intervention or things are meant to happen uh, or, you know, he's meant to be there at that time. I, I've always struggled that on my faith because I, you know, I lost my legs, and sometimes I struggle, why is this, why is this happening, why me? Hmm. But uh, that was a turning point because I honestly felt that he was there for a reason. Yeah. So. Man, do you have any photos of that? I do. I would love to share those. Yeah. That'd be I cool. Do. Yeah, if we could get a couple of those, that'd be cool. Um, that's awesome. So, purpose. That's yeah. that's the name of the game. That's what I hear. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It, 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 sometimes you just forget about it. Sometimes that you got it. I mean, why why do we get up in the morning? Why why do we why do we try to be good people to each other? I mean, it's you have to have a purpose for that. Hmm. Have you ever heard a life plan? Uh, no. Okay. Um, guy, uh, I think it's Jim or John James. I don't know his, I don't know his first name, but, uh, guy by the name of Patterson. Um, he was Walt Disney's right hand man and he was a, uh, a systems guru. So, uh, operationally, he just, obviously if he set up Walt Disney, um, he's a gifted individual um but so highly esteemed and so highly sought after uh that folks from kind of more the psychological side uh were saying hey you've got to do this with people you've got to improve the the process by which we um by which we invest and grow our hum our human capital and he put together uh something which which is now called life plan and it's this intensive two-day project where you sit down with a life plan facilitator and you comb through just about everything and uh i mean i had the uh i had the privilege of of being able to do one of these a few months back and in this life plan we are scrubbing through i mean I'm, i felt exhausted by the end of the two days we were scrubbing through early childhood memories dating back to you know elementary school what you know what did you do with your extracurricular time what were your passions uh, you know i'm talking about the positions that i'm playing on the soccer field when i'm in 11 you know 
when I'm 11 and 12. I'm talking about um, uh, highs and lows that took place during middle school or some of the, you know, some of the big wins and big losses of, of high school. It was so thorough, but basically it's, uh, it's so long and so arduous uh, for a reason. And basically you take all of these consistencies that exist from front from the front part of your story all the way to where you're at and you find these common words and you take these common words and by the end of the exercise the two days you basically write out 40 20 nouns and 20 verbs and uh, from those 20 nouns and 20 verbs uh, you focus in on you know the ones that that hit the hardest and you're basically shooting for enough words to put together one sentence that gives you basically a personal mission statement. I mean, it is down to tincture form. What are you here for? And the way that the facilitator actually breaks this out is they write, I exist to colon. Mm. And, uh, when you said purpose, that's like, that's exactly what they're doing. Mm -hmm. They're basically coaching you through what is it? Why are you here? Mm -hmm. And, uh, from that, yeah, I mean, I can share with you what my purpose was after the after the exercise. It was I exist to inspire people to explore, uh, to explore um, their freedom and identity. And actually, because I'm a Christian, it's I invite people to explore their freedom and identity in Christ through the depth of their own experiences. Wow. And you got that, all that from that class, huh? Yeah. Wow. And That's amazing. To put words to that, I so resonate with what we're talking about right now. Mm-hmm. If I would have interviewed you three months ago, it wouldn't have been the same. Interesting. Yeah. Purpose. It's everything, man. I'm so Go glad. Ahead. I'm so glad we're talking about it. It is. I mean, it's. I don't know really how can one achieve goals, or I don't know if you didn't have something, a purpose like that. And that, and some people get caught up so much on what that purpose is. Um, and, and instead, you know, instead of you have to go out there and try. I mean, there's giving up isn't an option. Um, and I think sometimes we, it's easier to give up because it's comfortable to just not do anything. Hmm. So. Totally. Well, thanks for sharing that. I think that's, uh, that's a great reminder of something that often gets skimmed over. And I'm really glad that, uh, yeah, that we spent some time intentionally thinking about how important purpose is. So, um, appreciate you kind of opening up some of the the vulnerable stuff earlier on too that was uh, that was a treat getting to know you a little bit and uh, it's certainly not all of your story we recognize that but it gives uh, gives our listeners a good idea of what you're battling against so thanks man yeah, no problem thank you yeah you've got uh, you have some time to just go through some uh, rudimentary fun questions with me absolutely okay cool um well, this is uh, 
this is going to kind of expose some of the uh, lack of knowledge in the uh, the triathlon arena. I've had uh, I've had a couple of friends do triathlons. I've done one Olympic uh, triathlon myself back in my early twenties, and then I had a, a triathlete by the name of um, uh, Adriano Rosa come on. And he had done uh, he had done a handful of Ironmans, so I am familiar a little bit, but only through that. Walk me through um, just a few of the things that uh, that uh, aside from the the fact that you're doing it on blades, what are some of the uh, what are some of the natural obstacles that you share with the other you know meat legged uh, counterparts in this sport? What are some of the obstacles that everybody would consider to be common throughout uh, triathlon well when you hear uh, when i when i uh, to bring up the iron man i mean it is the ultimate race um it yeah. is very i mean it's, i mean there are people that go from couch to iron man but not very not very likely um but when people say yeah i did 140 mile 140.6 miles uh but holy crap, man, that's crazy. I mean, that's a lot of miles. And I just, you know, I kind of have to say, well, no shit. You have to, actually, I had to do four or 5,000 miles just to get to that point. But yeah. Right. Um, and that's, that's honestly the hard part is like, yeah, it's not something you just pick up and go. It's, I mean, to, to even do a half Ironman or, a, or an Olympic distance. Well, I mean, it's, it's many, many miles. You're actually training and you're running more and biking more than what you're required to get to that point. Um, so a lot of the, the discipline with, with triathletes is, you know, is, is a lot of its recovery. I mean, you're doing three different sports. You're doing it in a little bit different. It all depends on the tactics, you know, who you are. Um, for me, I'm a very strong swimmer. Um, I'm average, above average cyclist, uh, but I struggle in the run. Um, but you know, it's not, some people may be like, okay, we'll focus on your weakness or for me, yeah, I, I can't do that. Cause if I focus on running all the time, my stumps will get wrecked and then I, then I'm going to end up in the hospital again or, or, uh, you know, not be able to walk or get, I, I still can get shin splints in my legs and knees and stuff like that. I can get those, those kind of problems. So I, I double down on my cycling and, 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 and swimming. So that way I can have a good, um, clean run. So some of that is a challenge for other people is to find that, um, niche that matches them. Um, nutrition is another one because, you know, you're burning so many calories and then, um, probably the biggest one, if you're really, um, a dedicated triathlete is, uh, managing your time appropriately, um, you know, it's to, it is a time consuming thing. It's much easier to train for a marathon. I shouldn't say much easier. It's an easier task to train for a marathon than it is to do a half Ironman. Um, just because of all the, the three sports that you have to, um, become efficient in. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I hear discipline, um, finding your niche, finding your strength. Those are commonalities. Um, what's a, what's a unique issue? I heard you say something about your stumps, um, getting, getting kind of beat on in the run. If you push it too hard, how is, talk to us about some of the unique, uh, 
the inherently unique issues that you face as a as a disabled triathlete? Yeah, I'll, I'll just start with the beginning of the race. Um, is swimming um, with with uh, USAT, which is uh, um, USA Triathlon um, or uh, Ironman rules. Uh, amputees are not allowed to use prosthetics in the water. Uh, and so for me being a swimmer prior, I had to kind of change the way I swim um, to otherwise I'm not kicking. So if I'm not kicking, uh, cause I have no legs, the, my hips sink and therefore I cannot glide in the water. So I'm really fighting the water. Um, so I've had to retrain myself how to position my, my shoulders, my chest, how to hit the water different, how to pull different. Um, so that way I can compensate and be more parallel in the water. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's one challenge. Um, do you wear your blades in the water? No, no, okay. no prosthetics, just bare stumps. Okay. Um, in the water. And then I have a handler or I like to call him my leg caddy (laughs) who will take my, uh, walking legs and then place them there by the beach or by the, uh, water's edge when you come out of the water. Yeah. And then I hurry and dry off my stumps. I put these socks, uh, that are wickening or wick like swift wick is what they, um, a brand that I use, okay, and that way it helps with the the sweat because sweaty stumps is not good because it causes friction and they can fall off. Hmm. So I want to I want to make sure that I'm having that taken care of, having a perfect alignment onto my uh, uh, liners so that way it's comfortable. And then I insert into my sockets which have my prosthetics, and I go and I run uh, with my walking legs to my bike take off my walking legs i have my bike biking legs there which have a clip that go into the bottom of uh it's like a peg um and then uh, i clip in there and off i go and then that's that's transition one transition two after the bike um i will have my running legs and it depends on how hot or how long the distance of the race is because i have built up sweat that i'll take my legs completely off put a new fresh pair of socks on and then slide on my running legs. And then I bring extra socks and like blister tape or whatever, just to help me through. Um, sometimes I'll bring an Allen wrench if I want to make an adjustment halfway through, but, um, I'll, uh, uh, the, the, the extra socks I'll bring also help with volume because by then my limb has shrunk cause I've sweat so much. And if I, lose volume in my sockets then it becomes very uncomfortable because it's not a, it's not fitting and the the weight distribution isn't even so now i have uh the run and then just it's just to endure it and just you know trust my training is going to pull me through right on sorry that was the long explanation <laughs> no that's but that i mean the logistics right you've got a whole different set of uh, I mean, a regular transition looks like coming out of the water, unzipping your wetsuit, jumping into your, you know, shoes and going. Yep. You already got yeah. your shorty on. You've got to deal with finding your your um, your stump caddy, right? As you as My you described. Caddy. Yeah. One one year we forgot because I put the timing chip. The timing chip 
uh, tells you, you know, gives you the official time. And yep. with Ironman, there's an app that people can follow along so they know where you are on the course yep. and what your speed is and all that. Well, last year at the, the same race, the St. George one, I did it again, and I accidentally left my timing chip on my biking legs. Oh, no. So people at, people at home thought I had quit right on the run. Oh, no. And like, oh, he must have quit or he must have crashed his bike or something like that. And um, It wasn't until later I ran into a, uh, a club team member that was uh, just cheering people on, and I said, hey, can you – my dad was my late caddy. He says, I'll call this number, tell him to see if the race director will let me have my chip and see if he can come on the course and give me my chip. So towards the end of the race, I did get my chip back. Was your time all skewed? Yeah, it was all skewed. It wasn't. Did you just it, find it, people that you had that you had recognized that you were running with and try and piece it all together? Yeah, it, it, it well, no, it, it still gave me my mark because I came through the finish line. It's just that nothing time-wise it wasn't accurate um i mean bottom line i just wanted to, to complete it because when you do complete it in a certain time which is i think eight and a half hours if i do it less than that i get points um and what, the more points i get the more um probability i can to qualify for other races like the world championship cool uh talk to us a little bit about your sponsors sure um I do. I have quite a bit, um, some that help me with, uh, assist me in different hunting and outdoor activities. Uh, but with, uh, triathlon, which I'm focusing a lot on, um, I have a few companies like, uh, um, weak naturals that, um, I've done some motivational speaking and they're just supporting, um, you know, cause it, it's very expensive to do the race. Um, the travel to Florida, bringing my wife, of course, um, you know, I have enough money to bring the kids, but just, just on, um, that, um, a big, huge sponsor is, uh, my coach with, um, uh, uh, BAM, um, which is balance, um, athlete, uh, multi-sport and my coach there's, uh, uh, been working with me and that's a huge cost there. Um, he's an amazing coach. He's has experience with other, um, uh, Paralympians. So he knows prosthetics. Um, also they work with a team called precision bike fit. That's helped me be, uh, properly fitted to my bike, um, mountain ops, which, uh, you knew me from helps a lot with my supplements and different things on that level. And they've, they've been great to me, um, rapid reboot, which are these compression, uh, boots that, um, help with my recovery. Um, they've, they've been a huge game changer just because, um, you know, I you get, you get sore one day and that helps you recover so you can get a better workout the next. Um, and then, um, man, I feel bad if I'm missing anybody. Um, Wahoo fitness, um, uh, which is a trainer on my bike. And that's been a huge game changer to make me more efficient on my bike. Um, and, uh, it's a smart trainer. That's just doesn't, it's just amazing the things that it can do. Um, and then a buddy of mine, Justin Biggs, who was, uh, helped me with my nutrition, uh, we're just trying to find a happy medium um, that allows me to um, eat properly and still have, you know, you know, lose weight yet still have enough calories in me that I can, you know, have a really kick buck workout. And then a big supporter. Sorry, I'm going on. Amputee Blade Runners. Amputee Blade Runners is an organization that provides prosthetics for people that want to run when insurance companies say no. And um, that 
I mean, prosthetics for anybody walking is, is super expensive. And then to have running on there, it, it's, it's, you know, it's more than what I paid for my truck and I have to do, do wow. it twice because I'm missing both legs. So they uh, were a huge, huge supporter, a company called Phil Hour that makes my ankles and my feet. Um, they are able to let me test new products and I have, I feel like I have the best running legs built for this endurance race. So also included is, uh, Intermountain Healthcare. Um, I'm on their internet, Intermountain Healthcare, uh, mentor team and, uh, they able to, um, kind of help me along with, uh, some of the learning and, uh, are giving me the opportunity to motivate and inspire other people that are wanting to be a part of the, uh, triathlon community and knowledge right on man i hope i'm not in missing anybody i feel bad um just because i i don't have uh, a list right now but that's those those people honestly have made this journey possible you know i'm still there's still some things that i'm you know financially that i'm trying to work with uh, oh one other one is challenge athletes foundation um and those guys provide grants for people that are uh, either missing limbs or have another other form of disability, and they either provide equipment or they help with expenses such as race costs to um, allow um, people to um, still perform their abilities. And they've they've been in a huge huge help there. So, right on, man. Well, um, I am thoroughly satisfied i think that was uh that was more than i had bargained for so uh sydney thank you so much for taking the time to talk about your story uh it certainly is unique we are so so uh excited for you when when is it november 2nd yeah november 2nd panama city right on so florida i i picked that race for one that uh it's it's a little flattered um, and, um, the elevation is better and it's on Saturday, so I don't have to break the Sabbath. I don't have to, uh, but, uh, it's also just one that just stood out on the calendar. Um, my training partner that I train with, uh, he wanted to do that race as well. So we're going to go out there together. Oh, I, wow. Yeah. A regular Eric Liddell, man. Love it. <laughs> um, uh, another thing, the Apostle Paul, uh, writing to a church in Philippi, was using language uh, from early from the early Greek culture, which held races in huge regard. Right. Uh, so Philippians three, verse fourteen, is uh, is the verse that just kind of kept coming to mind throughout our conversation. But it goes, "I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus." That is, uh, that's a verse that, for whatever reason, I felt like applies to Sidney Smith in this whole thing. So, dude, I love that. That's perfect. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. Right on, man. Well, uh, thanks again, Sid. Uh, I certainly hope this isn't the last time we have uh, to talk. But for now, uh, let's let's sign off and uh, see where, uh, yeah, see where our futures pair us up again. Hopefully, it's soon. Awesome. Thank you very much, bud. <laughs> yeah, man. Cheers. Cheers.